Victory formation again. 28 seconds. Takes the knee. And victory, Illinois, on this Saturday. A year after getting destroyed by the Virginia Cavaliers, the Illini shut them down today. 24-3, the final score. Huge. Huge win for Brett Bielema. A huge win for the Illini football program. Well, what a difference a year makes. Welcome in, everybody. Fasteners, etc. Postgame show is coming up. Scott, Evan, Michael here with you. A trio to help you on your Saturday night. Eight days ago, uh, we were here to commiserate with you and your misery. Maybe you're feeling a little different than that. Illinois wins 24-3. We want to hear your thoughts. But first, our rapid reaction is brought to you by Cozad Asset Management. For over 45 years, striving to serve financial needs and build lasting relationships with clients. Evan Kahn is in studio. Michael and I are here at Memorial Stadium. Evan Kahn, a little bit different feeling this week. Yeah, not too bad. I would not say it was a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination, but the Illini got a win, and when you have suffocating defense like the Illini did, you don't need a whole lot more. Imagine what this offense would have done without the turnovers, how ugly this score could have been. But to hold a school that put up 40 points against you last year without a touchdown, um, you, you could see that they had a game plan. They executed the game plan in a much better feeling than after last Friday's game against Indiana. I'm not sure if we can be happy about this, Scott, after the Wyoming game. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, This is a good win for the program, clearly. Um, You uh, you know, Brandon Armstrong is one of the most more talented quarterbacks that Illinois is going to face all year, and you did not let him really do anything. Um, You you came out, you hit him in the mouth, uh, despite your your, uh, despite the offense uh, stumbling a little bit, especially very early on. Um, you know, you, not only did you gain a lead, you maintained a lead, and you were able to leave with a very, very satisfying victory. From my standpoint, uh, this was a game where the offense, the defense was allowed to just uh, go out and feast and fly around the field. They did what they did. If you're not aware of the nuances of differences in the program from last year to this year between Virginia or Illinois. You're going to look at this as just go, look what Illinois could do a year removed from playing Virginia and losing big out there. They can beat them here on their home turf. And this is a defense now that is a serious problem for opponents. Uh, Wisconsin loses today. That's the next power opponent for Illinois. They're going to be concerned about the uh, the defense of Illinois. And it's going to be a tough one up in Madison. Of course, first up's Chattanooga. But this is all about Illinois' defense today and an offense that shows, that shows it can do a lot if it avoids mistakes. It didn't do enough of that today, but it certainly was enough for a win. Rapid Reaction brought to you by Cozad Asset Management. We would love for you to join us next. On the fan line, you can call us at 217-356-9397. And the Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217-351-5357. Fighting Illini game day coverage continues on your flagship home for Fighting Illini Athletics. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM and Light Rock 97.5. Now it's your turn. 
on the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. Fasteners Etc., your partner in inventory management. Call us with your thoughts, 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, the Fasteners Etc. post-game show with your hosts, Scott Beatty, Evan Kahn, and Michael Martin. Kemp is deep, rush on, Robertson stays in there, gets it away, Kemp slips, now gets up, makes the catch, running backwards, inside the top, almost the football, it is loose in the end zone, the It's the Fasters Etc. postgame show on a 24-3 victory, and that sparked something there. And uh, Michael Martin can die a happy man right now if he so chooses because special teams got a score. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a touchdown, no less. I got really, really excited when that happens. I, uh, Were you fired up? I, I was fired up. Uh, if you listen to the radio oh, copy, really I was uh, right – <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, put that on my tombstone. Uh, <laughs> that it's it's always all jokes aside. When you are kicking the ball away and you somehow end up up with a score, um, that that's that's <laughs> awesome. Cold. Um, <laughs> I talked. I uh, I kind of jabbed uh, Aiden Hall, the long snapper, after that play. I'm like, hey, that should have been you. <laughs> we needed that for the long snapper brand. He's like, ah, I got locked up. So, uh, but regardless, um, it is nice to see a, uh, a special team score. Um, it wasn't the difference in the game, but it definitely uh, swung the momentum uh, significantly. Well, let's go to the phones. And first up here on the Fasteners Etc. Post Game Show on the fan line, it's Dan in Champaign. Hey, Dan. I, um, you know, I agree with what you guys were just saying about that um, special teams touchdown being definitely swinging the momentum after the first two turnovers. Um, but I also think, I think the defense deserves a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, and Ryan Walters is in line for another raise. But the offense, you know, last week after Indiana, they're saying, Oh, we got to eliminate the turnovers and the penalties, but they didn't eliminate the turnovers and the penalties, so I think they only deserve a three. Fair enough. Uh, that game, this game was headed south for a little bit, and I was already thinking in my head, oh, the story is going to be all the talk about eliminating mistakes and mental errors and whatever have you, MEs, as the coaching staff would, would talk about it, and it didn't happen. Um, but you have a defense that – that really is 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 stout. I, I think this eight one five texture says it well. Illinois had more turnovers in the game than Virginia had points. Complain all we want about the offense, but that defense stepped up in a humongous way. So it, it's um, you know, it's it's kind of hot and cold. It's good and bad. It's pro and con, however you want to look at it, uh, Dan. But Illinois does come out with a victory today. Appreciate your thoughts, man. The trouble, though, when they get to the better teams, that's not going to work. So hopefully they can clean that up on the offensive side. Yeah, that's true. I think they're aware of it. Thank you. Allen is with us next. Hey, Allen. 
Well, guys, uh, I had mentioned this to Joey. When's the last time Illinois started out of the season two out of three games without giving up a touchdown and even uh, two out of three games during the season of any kind? Uh, is there anybody could look that up? Yeah, I can peruse the media guide as we go along here and see what I can come up for you. Okay. Uh, the first time in maybe 20 years, I can honestly say I think we got a good defense. Oh, yeah, I think you could have said that last year, don't you? Uh, they improved, but they're not like this. They didn't hit like they are now. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I, 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 go ahead, Alan. They went up on a different level. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I will say that the 2011 defense was quite spectacular. They were number five in the country for total defense for a while there. That? No, that was uh, that was 2007. 2011. 2011 was Whitney Merciless and uh, when Steve oh, Hull was okay. still yeah, a, that was a good one safety. Um, that was definitely a defensive-led team, um, even though you had one of the most most prolific uh, offensive players in Illinois history in uh, Nate Shieldhouse. Well, it's been like a long time since we've had a good defense. Uh, it, <laughs> it does. I uh, I feel you there, Alan. Um, so, All right. Uh, Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank Alan. You, Alan. Appreciate it. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven on the fan line. Castle Heating and Cooling text line is two one seven three five one five three five seven. Two one seven texture says, "I hope the next twelve days include footballs being carried everywhere by every offensive skill player to remind them how to hold on to the ball." Eight turnovers in the last two weeks is gross. This game could have very, uh, easily been forty-four to three very easily. Uh, some of those are interceptions, and I think Chase Brown. I didn't ever see a replay, but some some people thought he was down. I guess on replay he was not, but I feel like that wasn't just a oops, it slipped through my fingers kind of thing. Uh, but your point still stands. At the end of the day, uh, turnovers are turnovers and they're bad. I'm just a little more concerned about interceptions. Yes, definitely uh, interceptions. And uh, there was a strip sack in there, um, and that's with a hobble. That was off of a, uh, um, a defensive uh, end uh, going out against a hobbled Julian Pearl. Hopefully he'll uh, he'll be able to take these 10 days or however long um, it is until the Chattanooga game and be able to get that healed up. Um, but turnovers are a uh, major problem for this team right now. And in in spite of uh, some of those off- uh, some of those woes, our defense was absolutely able to step up and uh, mitigate problems before they happened. Um, and that's how you end up only giving up three points off of uh, those first two turnovers. And before we go to Jeremy here on the on the fan line, uh, I, I thought the offensive line, you, you pointed out Julian Pearl, he, he looked like he was hobbled, and and we saw the, the combination that got beat up last week. I don't think Virginia's front, e- even as much as people tried to hate on Indiana's front, I don't even think Virginia's got as much pressure, but when you saw Adams slide over and Slaughter come in, it, it, it was much better from that group, and hopefully... Pearl can get healthy because him at, at left tackle is this best offensive line. Yeah, most definitely. And it, it, one last thing on the offensive line, I think that culturally uh, uh, Bielma wants to be able to grow the offensive line organically by mm-hmm. bringing in recruits and uh, high school recruits and uh, putting them through the strength and conditioning program. The two junior college transfers, they're kind of plug-and-play guys um, that um, are going to make an impact uh, for the time that they're here. But I know that deep down uh, part of his coaching philosophy is that he wants to uh, have a strong line on both 
defensive and offensive line, and that starts uh, with high school recruiting. And we have some big boys now um, that are uh, waiting in the wings. So I'm, in, I'm. It'll be very fascinating to see how that develops um, over the next few years. I love today that Bart Miller told us that we don't want to. You know, the guys that are in development right now, we want to get them bigger. And then he goes, not oversized, mind you, you know. And then he mentioned the, the number 315, and I'm thinking, okay, that's not oversized. Okay, just just so we're all on the same page. 315 <laughs> is not oversized in your, your world. <laughs> all right, Jeremy is up with us next. Go ahead, Jeremy. Sure thing. You ready? Oh, yeah, fire away. Hey, hey fellas, I, I've been the guy who's called him very, very critical of his team in the past, but, man, I tell you what, the way things are turning around for Illinois football here, um, the fact that, you know, we give up two turnovers in the first two drives and we still dominate this game, this is not something that we are used to seeing as Illinois football fans. And even getting down as far as we were, I was never worried this whole game. And the fact that I have, we have some people who are getting very – I mean, I love Illinois football, but, gosh, we have some people who get <laughs> – we, we don't realize exactly exactly what we are, but we are turning a corner here, and this staff that we have, I hate to say it, I hate to say how good we are in defense because Ryan Walters will not be here long. Ryan Walters will be our next head coach that we are competing against if we're not careful. If we don't keep playing this well, we're going to face that guy. And it just sucks to say it that way because I want to keep that guy here forever. Um, but – this is uh, this is very positive for Lions football, and what we are seeing today to bounce back after a game from Indiana, which got stolen from us, and I say this again, stolen from us, and to just come back and pounce a team like Virginia. I mean, we are we are not a bottom of the big tier Big Ten team. This is a staff that is legit. This is a staff that is building something crazy and crazy in a positive way for Illinois football. And I have been a guy who's been very critical in the past. I just want to call and say, hey, this staff is amazing. What they're doing, if people who are truly Illinois football fans have not paid attention in the past and are watching now and still not seeing what's happening, this is truly remarkable. Well, uh, Jeremy, uh, thank you for your call. And first of all, it's totally fair to be critical about how Illinois football has performed in the last stretch of history, broadly speaking. There's obviously been good moments and, you know, make a bowl game and some key wins and very memorable things. But in terms of sustained success, it's totally agreeable. And that, that it hasn't been there, and uh, when it's been down, it's been really down. I think something you said there uh, really caught me was when when the offense kind of was stumbling here a bit and, and things weren't going the way for Illinois, I just thought uh, recent teams, recent seasons, that was it. It would have just kind of taken the wind out of the sails of the team, and they didn't do that. They were resilient today until they found a way to start scoring on offense. They have to be better on offense long term they know that I mean, anybody here that watched it uh, knows it but yet you do see enough things out there in offense to go I think they can be better on offense but uh, yeah I don't know what the ceiling is for this team but it suddenly is way more interesting in the way that this defense can pull you out of things and um, you know shoot Wisconsin lost today uh, they got Mike leached and, you know, Iowa lost in the Cyhawk. All of a sudden you go, I, you know, shoot, in, in a couple of weeks when Illinois goes up to Madison, I, this could be interesting. We'll see what happens. I'm not ready to crown them anything, Evan Kahn, but 
uh, I, I'm just I'm more pulled in. I would think if I'm a fan about what could happen here. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you were saying on the offensive side, Devito was actually getting the ball downfield. What's he got completions here? Forty-three, thirty-nine, twenty-four yards. So we're we're starting to see that downfield attack. They're still trying to figure things out in the backfield without Josh McCray. Getting him back will will obviously help because. Uh, Reggie Love shows a little something. Chase Hayden shows a little something. But there's a reason they were third and fourth behind Josh McCray going into the season. So I'm not totally concerned. You look around the Big Ten. Wisconsin struggles to score against Washington State. Iowa can't score whatsoever. So I'm not concerned about that game really at at all. This is the Big Ten. You've got to score 10 points and you can squeak out a win. Ask Iowa State here today. So (laughs) there are concerns about the offense, but you're, you're seeing more creativity with it, and I think that'll bode well when we get into Big Ten play. Absolutely. Well, it's time to name our uh, player of the game, our MX electrifying player of the game. Uh, and, and again, uh, gentlemen, I, I'm going to open this up for your interpretations mm. and, and debate, but I, I do want to mention here, offensively, we're kind of feeling down on the offense, but yet, but yet it was an offense that amassed nearly 400 yards, was balanced in its attack. You mentioned Tommy DeVito there, Evan, and I would say in between – after his first interception, and he nearly had another one that should have been, but after that first interception for a while there, he was nearly perfect in what he was being asked to do. Chase Brown nearly sets a record for games, consecutive games of 150 yards rushing, and he settles for 146. Um, and uh, the tight ends had a good day as well on, on, on the receiving end of things, led by Luke Ford and Michael Marquise with a touchdown and Tip Ryman with a touchdown. So before we just turn our attention to the defense, I just wanted to make sure that everyone realized there were good standout performances offensively. And then Devin Witherspoon led the way tackling. Keith Randolph, two and a half for a loss, including a sack. Illinois defense total had five sacks, nine tackles for loss, nine PBUs. So I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out there now. I, I was struggling before, and I almost asked you guys before we, we hopped on the air if you had any ideas where you were leaning because there were a, a lot of guys that, that had great games. I, I don't know if one specific performance carried it, it more than the other. Um, yeah, Michael Martin, I'm going to leave it up to, to you <laughs> to open with a name, and then I'll say yes or no. You know what? I'm going to go with a unit, the Brown Twins. Sidney Brown <laughs> with a forced fun- fumble on that punt, which – uh, ended up being points for Illinois and uh, really a significant momentum shift in the game. And then Chase Brown, uh, uh, if the stats are accurate, four yards short of another 150-yard game uh, on only 20 carries, I believe. Um, so I'm going to go with the uh, the Brown Twins as the electrifying players. One of them. One of them is right now at least saying, or maybe both of them, why can't I ever have the spotlight to myself? But whatever. <laughs> Since day one, they've yep. had to share it. Yep. I don't think uh, that's a bad pick. The The freshmen ha- had good games. Bailey with, with a couple of uh, different takeaways. And uh, Jackis had two sacks as well. So, yeah, you can go You can go anyway, and I don't think we'll be wrong here. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, okay, I'm splitting it, too. I'm going Chase Brown and Matthew Bailey. <laughs> okay, well, All I've right. got highlights for both of them. All right. Here we go. Kemp is deep, rush on, Robertson stays in there, gets it away, Kemp slips, now gets up, makes the catch, running backwards, oh, 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 oh,
Adams loose in the end zone. The Illinois down. Touchdown. Touchdown, Illinois. The Illini pick it up. And maybe Bailey with the recovery yeah, we'll on special see. teams. Wow. Round in the backfield. Here's the handoff to him. Runs left. He's free. 40, 45, 50. Cuts back 40 of Virginia. They pull him down, but not before. He's inside the Cavalier 35 to the 32-yard line of Virginia. I guess I got Sidney Brown in there as well. But that run right there by, Ch- by Chase Brown, that one got him to 2,000 yards in an Illinois uniform. Nice. When I first saw the stat, 2,000, I thought, okay, career, right? No, at Illinois. Yeah. Good for him. Good dude as well. Okay, MX Electrifying Players of the Game from MX Electric. They want to be your electrician. Give them a call at 359-7293 to schedule your project. And remember, relax. Call Max. You can also call us on the fan line, 217-356-9397. More of your calls and texts after this. The conversation about today's game continues on the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. Join in by calling the First State Bank Illini fan line, 217-356-9397, or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. DeVito, short drop, throw left, got a man open on pace, 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Welcome back on the Fasters Etc. Post Game Show. Join us. Fan line is three two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Looking at okay, I picked nineteen ninety four because I knew there were some good defenses then. Illinois had two shutouts that year against Missouri and had another one against uh, East Carolina in the bowl game that year, the Liberty Bowl in nineteen ninety four. So. Um, 2001, hadn't seen quite a stingy a defense, but that was a really good year. 2007, uh, a shutout against Western Illinois, but most other games, they uh, they allowed some touchdowns. So, yeah, it's been a while. The caller was asking, when's the last time there were at least two games in a season where Illinois didn't allow a touchdown? And I think it's been a while. I'll try to figure out if we can get an exact year. Back on the post-game show with Scott Beatty, that's me, and Evan Kahn, and Michael Martin, and Jim now on the line. Hey, Jim. Hey, listen, I enjoyed the game. That's that's what I came for. And, uh, you know, these guys tend to be a little too negative sometimes. You know, we, we came from a pretty rough position here, and I think uh, Coach B's got us heading in the right direction. And it was refreshing for me to sit, finally see somebody from my old hometown, Moline, uh, do as well as Matthew Bailey did. And the other, the other part that I would point out is, is look at the play calling today. You know, teams are going to load up on number two, and you got to be able to come with something else. And I, I think he was pretty creative. Uh, they didn't just go in there and try and bleed the clock late in the game. And uh, I walked away. I had a good time. Uh, the only thing that would have made it better is if the Chief danced, but you know what that is. So, anyway, thanks, guys. 
Appreciate the, the call. And there's a lot coming in here on the text line as well. A 6-3-0. This game would have, uh, that the previous, this is a game that the previous staff would have lost. There is still plenty to work on, but the program is in a better place. Also, Illinois wins on a day where Wisconsin and Iowa and Notre Dame and Northwestern all lose. What a time to be alive. This is a funky day. You, you, the only uh, downside to that, uh, those teams losing, as you mentioned, is it wasn't division games or Big Ten play. So it doesn't help Illinois in the standings, but it does give you a, a, a thought there to go, well, could Illinois be more than just an underdog or a big underdog uh, when they face those teams this year? We will see. But, Evan, as you pointed out, Iowa not scoring many points here. They got a touchdown no, today. That was notable. And they I think it was ten. luck or something. If I read it right, they got the ball at the 16. So if you don't end up in the end zone, then something catastrophic happens. So, yeah, that's a it, it, just an awful, awful offense. Uh, 217 wants to hear from Jim in Rockford or uh, some of the – or uh, yeah, some of the others that maybe uh, they only hear from, they believe, when there's losses going on. So uh, – and they say great win – um, Illinois had oh, I already read that one and Benny says hey congrats to coach Bielma great win we're 2-1 and one. enjoy the victory Illini Nation go Illini glad you're with us here on the post game show and we mentioned the losses we'll get a scoreboard update before too long we got more activity there on the phone line Evan yes sir Colby's on his way to Springfield I'm guessing from the game yep go ahead yeah, Colby yeah you know guys I'm happy we won. The turnovers are a problem. Uh, I, I think the, the the one fumble we lost down down by the goal line. I had a good view of that from you know from some of the front rows of the horseshoe. I thought the knee was down before the ball came out, but yeah, regardless. I was curious though. It just felt like we were awfully conservative throwing the ball, with a couple of exceptions. It just felt like most of our passing game wasn't looking downfield all that far i was just curious if we had any insight as to why that might have been and i'll hang up and listen that's a good question and i'm not exactly sure i the i immediately think of uh and i think it was to pat bryant a 38 uh yard bomb uh which came in the bucket that was really well done yeah that was a that was really well done and um there was a there was a play with michael marquez that ended up going long for um a touchdown but uh Late in the game, the thing that I look at in the defense or the offense uh, in the box score that kind of concerns me is you score 14 points on offense um, uh, in the first half, but you also have four turnovers. Uh, second half, you the offense, uh, I'm not talking about uh, field goals, the offense scores zero points, but you didn't turn the ball over. So where was the line between – uh, trying to make something happen, uh, and turnover luck is uh, a real thing. We all lived through 2019 um, where we were very lucky turnover-wise, and today um, I'm not sure if we can say that we're turnover unlucky just based on uh, the performance from the past uh, two games. But all that to say, um, it seems like we were protecting the ball more in the second half, but we weren't really pushing it as much. I agree with that, and and, and I that, that tends to be my understanding is that tends to be the the style of Brett Bielma, and it's not uh, a, a, an unintelligent approach. You do have a three score lead, so uh, why not try to chew clock and be a little bit more conservative? But to your point, uh, uh, Colby, as 
downfield throws, I don't think Tommy DeVito, uh, you know, he may disagree, and that's fine. I don't see him as a huge deep threat. I don't see these receivers as huge deep threats. I don't think the speed is there. But what you do need is accurate completions, 10, 15, 20-yard seams, or that beautiful pickup he took from the safety blitz and found the open Michael Marques. All that stuff has to be made. And there was a string there where uh, he was he made 13 completions in a row. If you can do that, that opens up space for your running game and allows Chase Brown to keep doing what he, he's doing. Um, so I, I don't know that this is going to be a, a huge aerial attack at any, at any point this season. I don't know that they just have the wide receiving core or maybe the arm that goes with it. But if he can manage it well and make those completions and do what he needs to do there, I think there's enough to be competitive and win some games. Appreciate the call very much. 217-356-9397. Who's up next, Evan? Yeah, they keep on coming in. We've got Sarah ringing in from up in Chicago. Hey, Sarah. Glad to have you on. Thank you. How's it going? Well, dandy. Good Good victory today. Um, I kind of... Well, I'm, I'm glad they didn't, but I kind of wish they would have let Chase uh, get those extra yards to hit 150. Um, I totally agree with, I think it was Jim that mentioned that uh, we need that other uh, heavy hitting back in there with McCray out. It's kind of a little bit, uh, we have Chase and then I, I think Love and Hayden are more finesse backs, it seems like. So they uh, they don't uh, have the same running style. Um and I, I think we need to open it up more. Let him, let DeVito throw, uh, get some more passing to open up the running game a little more. Um, and my last comment is, I don't remember who said it, but whichever one of you said that you're not afraid of the Big Ten, um, I highly disagree, and you can never take anything for granted in the Big Ten, especially the first couple weeks of the year. And I think it's going to be, we look good, but I, I think it's going to be a, a tough, tough go again this year everybody can beat anybody and i know wisconsin always has big guys and minnesota won handily today so it'll be a a tough year in the big 10 again but uh hopefully we can get some victories and hope for a bowl this year hey sarah i wasn't i wasn't afraid of no goats back in 2016 and i'm not afraid of the big 10 here today either and it's just more in the sense of i think with this defense and an offense that can move the ball somewhat that gives you a chance in any big 10 game it does but i think the defenses we're going to see are going to be a little more stout than what we've seen so far and that's fair um, that's fair I hope I I think they're going to load up on Chase Brown if we don't get that passing game going. So, um, but I, I hope we can do it. I hope we can make a bowl this year and uh, ever the optimist in week three. So, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it, Sarah. You know what? Yeah, you do have to. She closes there with, it's two and one in week three. That's that's a pretty good start. And I also agree. Illinois has not really been tested with a superior defense yet. Mm-hmm. They just haven't. So that's totally fair. From my perspective, I, I think, Evan, you and I at least are on the same page, and I'm, I'm guessing you are too, Michael. But uh, I, to me, walking into a, a Big Ten game from a fan perspective, afraid or dreading the game, I'm just saying I'm all of a sudden a little bit intrigued here based on what we've seen as opposed to just going, well, they'll be competitive in some, but I don't know about this or this or this. They may well get stomped. 
But based on three games, I think they've got more than a puncher's chance against at least most of the teams on their schedule. They don't have Ohio State on their schedule. I understand that. Well, the way I see it is I think back to last year. Obviously, this team is not last year's team. But you did go to Penn State, and you did go to Minnesota, where we were not given a chance to win, and we won those games. Now, things are going to be different uh, this year. Obviously, it's all going to play out differently. Uh, and We don't know how it's going to play out. But the moral of the story is I'm not dreading going – going against some of these top-tier teams because it's going to test our mettle. It's going gonna, it's gonna to test where we are as a program. We are not there yet, obviously. This is going to take time. It will continue to take time. But, you know, based on what we saw today, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this one. It's, it's going to make me think, okay, what is this going to look like? Yeah, I do think, what is this going to look like against a Wisconsin, uh, which is the game after the Chatt- Chattanooga game? Um and we were we were we were we scored zero points last year against Wisconsin, and we allowed twenty four points, which um, is a significant margin of victory for uh, Wisconsin. Um, but I think that there are significant elements of our team that are better this year, and I think that it will be a more competitive game. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Feel free to weigh in. Castle Heating and Cooling text line also. Uh, very active as well on this Saturday evening. Ball game started just after three. Uh, defense, Texter says, will keep you in a lot of games and like that we were able to get more people involved in the offense today. Yeah, uh, eight receivers were targeted for uh, 24 throws. And, a lot of uh, tight ends. Yes, yep. I love it. All three tight ends were. That's what, every year. Hey, when are we going to get the tight ends more involved? <laughs> Look at that. And uh, we we lined up um, Josh Krutz as mm-hmm. a fullback, which I'm really interested to see what we can really do with that type of formation. But the uh, the pass to tip Ryman, oh man, this uh, felt for a moment. Okay, hear me out. I'm not making. I'm not trying to overstate who the Illini are, but just in terms of how this game was, this felt like a mid '80s Bears game, in that. You have a good running back. I'm not saying Chase Brown is Walter Payton, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Tommy he, DeVito, the uh, next <laughs> Jim McMahon. Right. I mean, what, what was Jim <laughs> make? I mean, the, the, you know, he he handled things fairly well. He wasn't, uh, you know, he, he wasn't Joe Montana you out saw there. Him, you saw him throw himself for that first down, too. He's not afraid of concussions. He's from Jersey. <laughs> he made mistakes today, he and said, he didn't lack confidence. He yeah. just told us this week his grandmother just passed away. She, he said the number one thing she passed on was toughness, and you saw him do that today, okay? So uh, just hear me out. You're lining up uh, a center as a fullback. Uh, a kind of deal, and basically it's like just get us some points because the defense is going to do the rest. <laughs> I'm not saying these are the Super Bowl Bears. I'm just saying you get my uh, get my vibe here. Anybody with me, or am I just out on an island? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're not you're not relying on an abundance of points on the offensive side. You just need enough that the defense can do what it does, and you can you can win some games. All you got to do is have one more point than the other team at the end of, at the end of the game, and that's kind of how this Illinois team is built. I yeah. think that goes to that offense when people are talking about the, the conservativeness. I don't think this team is ever going to run up 60 points on, on anybody. 
No. Unless they, they schedule, you know, FCS Midwest or something like that. And, and even then, that's just not the, the way this team operates. Well, to to Scott's point, I know this isn't a tight end, but uh, one of the stats we were talking about um, was Ch- can Chase Brown get another game of 150 yards, um, which he ended up being four yards short, um, but uh, that had not been done in like 20 years. He, he came up short, but to your point, it is reminiscent of an older style of football, um, and I, I like – I personally like getting tight ends and fullbacks involved uh, just because, uh, yeah, I'm old school like that, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's it's, it's a different style of offense, and um, I know that we're not there yet, especially against uh, top-tier or even – even middle tier Big Ten defenses, uh, that that is yet to be seen whether they are truly effective. Uh, obviously, have a lot of things to clean up, but um, I think that having an identity is very, very important. And they have uh, definitely showed that we have an identity um, uh, over the past three games. All right, we'll take a break and come back here with more calls and texts. Get a scoreboard update as well from Joey Wright. And for what it's worth to you, back in the days of Michael Martin playing football, uh, Kent State and Western Illinois did not reach the end zone for Il- against Illinois in the first two ball games of 2015. Illinois also started 2-1 and one that year. Um, that was the Coach Bill Cubitt year. Uh, but I think not allowing a touchdown against uh, an ACC opponent, and and Wyoming probably sits a little better even statistically than Kent State and Western Illinois. Back in a moment, it's the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. You know, I thought those guys had a good week of preparation. You know, Gabe Ackes is a guy that uh, literally, as soon as we got eyes on him in the recruiting process, we thought he could be something special on the edge. He's just three games into it and um, really uh, has some fundamental pass rush skills, some strengths that are that are pretty pretty apparent, uh, and now he's, I think he's feeling it a little bit there at the end. He kind of was hitting some edge moves that were very, very clean. Uh, inside, I think Keith, Johnny, Bryce, uh, Calvin, uh, but on the edge, I thought uh, good to see the emergence of, of Gabe Akis for sure, and then had a guy like Kanena Udalaga, right, that comes in and did a lot of really good things in a sub-package, so Dylan Rosiak got some good plays. Yep. Uh, uh, you saw Tyson Brooks get in there uh, at the corner position. Um, yeah, I'm just excited. It's not just our guys that are playing. We're getting a lot of young guys in the program. Matt Bailey, you know, he had a PBU, but also, you know, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. He's just one of those kids, man. He's got that special feel to him that he just makes a lot of really high, high football, high plays. Fasteners, etc. Post game show rolls along. Illinois beats Virginia. 24 to 3. We're glad you're with us. And we go to the phones. 217-356-9397. Joining us now, it's Bill. Hi, Bill. You're up. Hey, how you doing, guys? I just wanted to um Martin O'Donnell, I've been listening to football and watching on TV for 55 years or more. And yeah, you get on TV and the announcers, the color guy will watch a replay and say, now watch this. Martin O'Donnell, he sees not only the running backs, the, the quarterbacks, even the officials, he sees the entire line. I've never heard a person that could watch all 22 players on the field at once and make a, you know, and he's 
always spot on in his comment. We're so lucky that he hasn't moved on to bigger, better things. Cause that guy is, I've never heard anybody as good as he is at color commentary. I mean, I'm sincere. Uh, I've always wondered the same thing, Bill, and I've been meaning to ask him, like, what does he focus on? Because, yeah, he can see what kind of coverage the defensive backs are playing, what they're doing in the front seven, what the offensive line is doing. He is just top, top notch. I mean, he's like, you know, they used to say what made Larry Bird good in Magic. They saw all ten players on the court. They said that's what made Bill Self a great coach. In practice, he could tell you what every all of his ten players of practice were doing. I mean, this guy, I say, especially in the line, nobody can tell you about line play. Now, there's a lot of guys that are good at you know the quarterbacks and the uh, linebackers or whatever, but Martin O'Donnell sees every block, every hold, every. The guy is just incredible, and I love his enthusiasm. <laughs> You know, you, you say he's, we're lucky he hasn't moved on to bigger, better things, but for Martin, this may be the biggest and best thing because that guy bleeds orange and blue mm-hmm. through and through. So oh. I don't know if you offered him a, a, a prime uh, network radio job or something. He may say, no, I want to call <laughs> Illinois games. So. Well, I hope so because he's the best. And Brian is good. Yeah, he's great, too, obviously. we got some of the best broadcasters uh, anybody can – and a great newspaper and a great radio station for a post game and everything. Checks Bill, in the mail. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> Bill. We appreciate the well, love. No, it really is. I mean, I'm sitting here. Uh, the game's been over for hours, and I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> well, that, that, you know, that's the beauty of of radio. Uh, that's why that's why I love I love this medium because it's. Uh, it's a way to keep having a conversation well beyond when uh, the television gets in and out, and they do their thing, and they do it well. Um, but this is just – it's a unique thing, and I'm, I'm right with you. When I, uh, when I see something interesting across college football, I'm immediately drawn to can I get a radio highlight? Can I hear how the, 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 the local radio is calling that or, or interacting about that if, there, if there's a big issue going on? What are they saying? What are they talking about? Um, it, there's just nothing quite like it. So appreciate it, Bill. Thanks very much. Let's go to Mark. Hello, Mark. Hey, good evening, guys. Um, they had a big victory today, and this um, team is looking a whole lot better than what we had a couple years ago. And um, one of the things, there's a couple things I wanted to ask. Um, as far as DeVito, um, how many games did he play last year? Was he was he hurt? And then um, I think that the offense is. I'm looking for the, forward to the offense improving um, because this is you know a new coordinator um, and we got a new quarterback and the quarterback and coordinator. This is you know first time they they working together and um, uh, one of the things that. I wanted to point out is, you know, the teams that we played is not FCS. And so it's going to take a little time for um, this team to, to gel. And an example was, you know, uh, second half, a little like uh, a couple of receivers um, ran into each other. And I just think that it takes a little time to get going. As long as that defense uh, continues to, to improve or prove what they're doing, 
I think the offense is eventually, you know, um, start to play better. So I just want to hang up and listen to you guys. I think this team made a, a big step from last week to this week, despite penalties. Uh, this just still looked like an even more together team, uh, despite the miscues. And I, I think, I think it's going to get better. It will be hard to judge because I'm going to go ahead and assume that it's a W against Chattanooga on a Thursday night here in 12 days um, or 13 days, uh, 12 days. So it, it, I think Wisconsin will be the, the next big measuring stick. But, yeah, the, I think this is a better team than last year. I don't know if the talent level total is better than it was last year. That's debatable. But the team is better in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I, I would say that um, it would. It, it comes down to Coach Bielma really knowing his guys. Uh, very early on in the year, he uh, last year he didn't necessarily know his guys, know what buttons to push, and he stressed that uh, uh, over over the past week uh, in press conferences, and it really showed out. Uh, he he knew where to push his team, and. Um, there were there mistakes made today. Absolutely, there were plenty of mistakes made. But um, it's a lot easier to correct those mistakes when you're coming off of a win. Um, and to answer a question about Tommy DeVito, um, he played for uh, he played intermittently for four years at Syracuse uh, from 2018 to 2021. Um, to what extent, uh, I'm not sure. I know that he was sacked a lot. There was one year where he was sacked 44 times in, I believe it was 2019. Um, yeah, that was the year he was a, a full starter at Syracuse, and then his last couple of years he, he played sparingly, uh, I think a combination of n- being second string and being injured. Uh, looks like uh, 52 attempts last year and 96 the the year before. And I think with, with the offense, we're, we're starting to see that that playbook expand a little bit. Things got thrown off a little bit when you take Josh McCray out of the mix because then you've got to work in different running backs and how all that works. But with, with the shot you saw to Pat Bryant down the sideline, I, I think you're seeing that confidence because there was no opening there. That was just a Tommy's like, uh, you know, Pat's down there. He's going to catch it, and I'm going to chuck it up. And, and it happened to work out, and, and he, he's building that up with, with high tower and, and connecting with, with all the tight ends. So the the, the offense w- will take some time because the, that's where the defense is ahead, right? They've got the defensive coordinator. They've been putting in these schemes and these ideas for, for over a year now. So you would expect them to be ahead of the offense. Yeah, uh, definitely. And um, I think that one of the bet and I, I stress this uh, – when we were discussing the Wyoming game, uh, pregame of the Wyoming game, but there was, there's consistency in the coaching uh, staff. Um, you only made one voluntary uh, coaching change, and that was, la- and that was uh, the offensive coordinator, um, and uh, that was the clear flaw in the, in the team last year was the the offense. So you changed that. Uh, obviously, we've had. Uh, a little bit of weird change with special teams uh, just because of uh, an unfortunate illness from uh, Coach Miller. Um, he, he's been on the sideline intermittently, so uh, we're, we're always pulling for him. But um, when there's lack of coaching turnover, not only do you have consistency in how uh, you can approach players, but you, can also, you also get uh, 
you don't have to cover things over again. Uh, you, you, <laughs> there's an expectation with this coach, and that's you set the culture there. But it also shows that the coaches believe in the program. They believe in the head coach. I recall a coach um, my freshman year of college. Uh, he was – I won't call him out um, because he's a, he's a great representation of what an Illini is, but he was an, an Illinois alum, and he left after one year, probably because he didn't believe in Tim Beckman. Um, so they believe in him, and there will come a time uh, we think that uh, Ryan Walters is going to move on uh, to greener pastures as a head coach, and we want – that's kind of a nice problem to have is losing a coordinator to uh, being a head coach. Um, but who's next man up? Is he going to poach anybody from our staff, or is he going to get all new people? Um, and I think that part of our coaching staff is kind of built to withstand that because uh, Coach Kane, uh, he was the defensive coordinator in uh, at SMU uh, prior to getting hired here, and uh, he became a position coach up here. And he's still stuck around. So maybe Coach Kane slides in as the def- defensive coordinator. Maybe Andy Boo, uh, who has Big Ten uh, coordinating experience, maybe he sl- slots in. We don't know. But ultimately, what I do know is that right now we have a good idea that this defense is really good, which is really nice, really nice to know. I don't really know. I'm just a caveman sideline reporter. Your world confuses me, but I do know this. All right, it's time for our update on what else is going on. There are a lot of Big Ten cities right now with where, with riots and buildings burning and, and pitchforks and, and, and mobs out there. And to catch us all up on that, Joey Wright is here for our updates. Thank you, Scott. And I guess it's fitting then that I start with the Big Ten because there is plenty of action. And Nebraska, I think, will burn if Georgia Southern can pull this one off. Georgia Southern and Nebraska tied at 28, 37 seconds left in the first half. And Georgia Southern has the ball, second and 11, right at midfield. It's on FS1. We'll see what transpires. And the only other games in progress in the Big Ten, Michigan hosting Hawaii, leading 7-0, 8.53 left in the first quarter. Michigan, the fourth-ranked team in the country. Idaho and Indiana, the Hoosiers, fresh off a win against Illinois last week, are scoreless, 15 minutes on the board, second quarter just about to get going. And a number of games in the Big Ten have gone final. Number three, Ohio State withstands Arkansas State pretty easily, 45-12 the final there. Minnesota takes down Western Illinois, 62-10, your final in Minneapolis. Duke upsets Northwestern, if you could call it that, 31-23, your final. Penn State takes down Ohio, 46-10 in College Station. Biggest upset of the day in the Big Ten, and Scott, you alluded to this, it's Washington State, 17, Wisconsin, 14, your final. In Wisconsin, they jump around into the loss column Do the Badgers. Maryland takes down Charlotte, 56-21. Michigan State, 14th in the country, a home win against Akron, 52-0. Iowa State, 10. Iowa, 7. That Iowa offense struggling this season, and they lose at home to the uh, Iowa State squad, 10-7, your final there. Purdue blanks Indiana State, 56-0, and Rutgers, 66, Wagner, 7 your final there. Let's go around the top 25. Number of games in progress, and a few have gone final among top 25 teams. Oklahoma, seventh in the country at home, winning 24-3 against Kent State, 203 left third quarter. In that one, we've got Kentucky and Florida on in the studio. 
Florida number 12 in the country, Kentucky number 20, 16-13 Gators. Plenty of time left, 11-25 left in the third quarter in Gainesville. The ESPN Plus servers are crashing as folks rush to watch 22nd-ranked Ole Miss host Central Arkansas. 31-0 your score there, 13-28 left in the third quarter. Still plenty of time. 10th-ranked USC tanking it to Stanford right now, 35-14. The score favoring USC, 30 seconds left in the first half. Halftime number 11, Oklahoma State leading Arizona State, 17-3. 16th-ranked Arkansas beats South Carolina in Fayetteville, 44-30. Top-ranked Alabama goes to Texas and comes away with a narrow 20-19 win. Field goal with 10 seconds left in that one. 15th-ranked Miami holds on, wins 30-7 against Southern Miss. 23rd-ranked Wake Forest wins the battle of black and gold against Vanderbilt, 45-25. In Nashville, big win for Wake Forest in that one. 18th-ranked NC State, 55, Charleston Southern, 3. 13th-ranked Utah beats Southern Utah. Big win in an in-state rivalry, if you can call it that, 73-7, probably the biggest win of the day. Marshall beats Notre Dame. Big upset there, maybe the biggest of the day, 26-21. Oh, wait, it's not the biggest upset of the day because Appalachian State beats Texas A&M. 17-14, your final there in Texas. Clemson beats Furman. Fifth-ranked Tigers win 35-12. Tennessee beats Pitt in overtime. 24th-ranked Vols over the 17th-ranked Panthers, 37, or rather 34-27. Georgia beats Samford 33-0. And Texas Tech beats Houston 33-30. Houston, the 25th-ranked team in the country. BYU 21st and Baylor number 9 are going to play at 9-15 on ESPN. And two high school scores from our area to close things out. Seneca 37, Salt Fork 35. Schlarman in an eight-man game beats Metro East 58-12. And I think that's a pretty good look around the country and around the area. Yeah, that's not bad, Joey, and it's outside of the top 25, so it doesn't really have much. But former one-time thought-signed head coach of Illinois football, Lance Leipold, has Kansas ahead of West Virginia right now. Didn't have that coming. And with the stick ball, this is just more personal interest. Albert Pujols has tied Alex Rodriguez with number 696. That's big-time interest. And I have one more for the sickos out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, it, it has since gone final, but at the beginning of the show, we were notified of a uh, developing situation between Bl- Bowling Green and FCS East yes. Kentucky. They went to seven overtimes, uh, and the sickos among us enjoyed the uh, not nine-overtime victory Illinois <laughs> had last year over Penn State. Uh, but uh, Eastern Kentucky ends up winning that game 59-57. to How's the three-point shooting in that? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Um, also uh, of note, apparently in the Kansas-West Virginia game, a shoe came on the field. Like somebody threw a shoe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know the all the context, but uh, sometimes it's better if you don't know the context. Somebody threw a shoe from the field. Who like, throws a shoe? Like George Bush style? Did they have to <laughs> well, don't you think? <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, don't you think security's going to figure it out now? <laughs> is, is that in Lawrence or Morgantown? Morgantown. Morgantown. They're probably upset. That's why they threw the shoe. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a riot for the you night. Have, you have no doubt that it came from a, a West Virginia fan. They don't need shoes. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just kidding. I love all West Virginians. <laughs> yeah, they will. They will go home. 
home on their country roads and be just fine. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Joey. We'll see if we'll get one more update here before things are all said and done. Text line still open. Fan line still open. That number is 356-9397 on the phones. And the Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217-351-5357. We're back in a moment. It's the Fasteners Etc. Postgame Show. You can weigh in on today's game by calling the First State Bank Illini Fan Line, 217-356-9397. Or texting the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-5357. First and 10, Illinois on the penalty at the Virginia 45. Back to pass DeVito, pocket holds, throws deep right, looking for a man right, sideline, got him, Pat Bryant, Pat Bryant with a catch at the two-yard line. Down the right sideline, that was as pretty a pass as you'll see, right over the top of the defender, all the way down to the two, a gain of 38. DeVito under center, couple of tight ends, turns, fakes to Brown, dumps to the end zone, man wide open, touchdown! Touchdown, Illinois, Tip Ryman. And the Illini are using the tight ends for touchdowns today. Case has one, Ryman has one, and the Illini lead is 20-3 over Virginia. 24-3 ends up being the final today here at Memorial Stadium as Illinois beats the Virginia Cavaliers, avenging the loss from last year out in Charlottesville. Scott, Evan, Michael here with you on the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. In two out of three games now, the Illini defense has prevented the opponents from scoring a touchdown. That uh, hasn't happened in a while. Well, 2015, there were two consecutive games to open the year where the opponent did not score a touchdown. Uh, In this case, uh, uh, probably an upgrade in opposition but also want to point out that in 2019, Illinois held Akron to three points and held Purdue to six points. But in that Purdue game, that was a touchdown and a missed extra point attempt. On the fasteners, it's uh, on the, excuse me, on the uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, we've had several texters uh, ask, point out, comment on the kicking situation, the place kicking situation. Caleb Griffin now is four for eight on the season. It is shaky and unreliable, I would say. Uh, Michael Martin, what do you think the pathway forward here is for Illinois? You got to clean it up. Uh, you only have a limited amount of kickers on the the, uh, the roster right now. Uh, Caleb uh, seems to be the guy. He struggled early uh, in Wyoming. He kind of bounced back against Indiana. Uh, he struggled again uh, today, but. Um, ultimately, uh, the games against Wyoming and uh, fortunately, the game against Wyoming and uh, today's game, it didn't make that big of a difference. But I'm not going to give him a pass. He's got to work on it. He's going to. He's his bi- biggest. He is his own biggest critic, and he knows that he has to improve. Um, in terms of quote unquote replacements, we have Will McManus, who is a freshman, a true freshman, and then. Um, I'm um, uh, I'm I'm blanking on his name. Pinton. Um, he's a transfer from Air Force, but he se- he seems to be repping more at punter than he is uh, repping at uh, Fabrizio Pinton. Yeah, Fabrizio Pin- Pinton. So and don't um, forget next year Illinois is bringing name. in. Yeah, 
we next year we we bring in a a kid out of Naperville North High School, and he's and the kid coming from Naperville North is uh, last I checked. Uh, by some metric, he's the number he, highly ranked. Uh, some may say number one. It's really hard to rank specialists, in my opinion. High school colors are also orange and blue. Um, they they were showing some Micron PC highlights before the, or during the game here today, Scott. Little flashback. Yeah, the the history of Illinois and Virginia. Those were the days. But Caleb's gonna clean it up. Uh, I th- I think I have faith in him. And if he doesn't clean it up, well, they're gonna make a change. They're gonna they're gonna push him. Um, and. Uh, We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not going to call for his head. Um, he's uh, th- the kicks he made last week against Indiana. Huge. Those were huge. Those were, those mattered. Um, I, I I wonder if there's if we want to play uh, kicker psychologist. Maybe he has. Uh, maybe there's a, a sense of urgency that has to be uh, present. I don't know. Um, there was a. Uh, there was a texter, uh, no, there was a caller a few weeks ago that was asking about, uh, is the field more slippery? I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe it needs to be worked in. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to give him every single excuse in the book. Um, ultimately, he does have to get better, and his, uh, his, his snapper has to get better. His holder has to get better. They all need to get better. It's not just on Caleb. Everybody has to get better. And, and Illinois typically has really good specialists. I, I think people are spoiled. You you look around the country, you, you see the field goal by Texas A&M today that went 20 yards. I mean, it happens in college football. Guys miss kicks. And they had a, a big-time kicking recruit in today, the, the kid from uh, El Paso Gridley, Declan Dooley, I believe it is his name. Um, so he, he, he's highly regarded as well. So they're still looking for, for kickers, so... It, it, it's a very fickle position. A couple of notes that have come in on this. Illinois allowing three points were the fewest allowed by the Illini defense against a Power 5 opponent since they shut out Iowa in 2000, 31 to nothing. And uh, Virginia's 222 yards of total offense, the fewest allowed by an Illini defense against a Power 5 post since holding UCLA to 219 in the 2011 Craft Fight Hunger Bowl. That was a win for Illinois. There's Chase, a parallel. There you go. And Chase Brown, the first a 2011-ish team, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Way better results, and they can't get off to a 6-0 start, so that's a, a good sign that it won't tail off towards the end. Yeah. My, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, we will do our keys to the game, and they are brought to you by Rudy Wealth Management, a family-owned wealth wealth management firm that strives to help clients achieve their retirement goals. Also by Game Day Spirit, the best selection of University of Illinois apparel, and by Hickory Point Bank, with roots right here in Champaign-Urbana, Hickory Point Bank Invested. All right, I will start. uh, The keys to victory today was this defense that, uh, I thought was most impressive in defending the pass and the way the secondary in particular was flying around. Uh, man coverage really worked to a man. Witherspoon was was terrific. Uh, so was Kendall Smith. So was Sidney Brown. 
So was Quan Martin. Uh, Quan Martin probably a little bit quieter today in terms of his name being called, but still very effective. And then, of course, you had the Matthew Bailey was was back there. Uh, Taz Nicholson with the big PBU that was a deflection for Bailey to get the interception. Uh, I really like the secondary, but you, uh, that is not to take away from the entire defensive unit. That was my keys. That's that's my key on this one. Michael Martin. I would say my key to the game would be. Just the defensive line had an opportunity to eat, and they did. Um, and uh, they they pressured uh, the quarterback uh, way more than um, he had been last week and last year. Uh, for what for what that's worth, um, in terms of arm talent, he's one of the better ones that we uh, are going to see this year, at least based on his past um, his past. A uh, few seasons. He's one of the most prolific players in uh, Virginia uh, history. So um, I think that uh, the defensive line was uh, really good, and uh, I really like that. Uh, I am concerned. My other key to the game pregame was hydration, and yeah, that, uh, that, uh, that again that has played a role. Uh, it's very concerning to see so many guys get mm-hmm. carted in to get IVs um, in the middle of a game. So. I don't know what the deal is there. Um, I don't know what it comes down to. Gatorade. <laughs> I don't know what or it comes down deep to. Down body thirst. But uh, that ne- that is going to be concerning. But it's going to be less of a concern as uh, temperatures cool and um, the body temperatures are going to be slightly lower. Yeah, you guys touched on, on a lot of the keys. I also think you mentioned it in the pregame, something about dictating the, the tempo of this game, and I think that would be my key for Illinois. Despite the turnovers, they were giving it to Chase Brown. They were getting chunk yard here, chunk yard there, you know, four or five yard pass here. They were really dictating the pace on, on offense and then on defense. Like you said, it all started up front. The The defensive backs wouldn't have had the day that they did if guys like uh, Randolph and Newton and even we saw Bryce Barnes and Tariq Barnes and all kinds of guys just getting into the backfield. So the the front seven and the offense, despite the turnovers controlling the game, uh, I would say those are my keys. And they're brought to you by Hickory Point Bank, Game Day Spirit, and Rudy Wealth Management. All right, one more look at the scoreboards, and we'll do last call in just a moment. You know, the things that we did wrong today were self-inflicted. We obviously got to clean up our ball security. I thought Virginia did a great job of attacking the ball, but um, some great learning moments there. When you can learn these things and win the way that we did, um, it sounds uh, you know like a little bit of a coaching cliche, but that's a really good way to learn, right, is mm-hmm. to play as well as you did and have that many mistakes. So mm-hmm. you know, the, the film session will be very correctable moments. Uh, this is a bye week. It kind of makes that bye week go a little bit better in so many different ways, but uh, we're going to get a lot better in this bye week, and then obviously UT Chattanooga before we jump into Big Ten play. Illinois 24, Virginia 3, and the Illini are 2 and 1. And I just saw this note come across. If Illinois beats Chattanooga, gentlemen, it will have an undefeated non-conference record for the first time since, I don't know if you just looked, Michael Martin, so. Tell me, I don't know. Yeah, you don't know, Evan? Okay. Do you take take a guess? I don't recall. It's already come up. Oh, duh, it was 2011. Yeah. So, so I'm saying if Illinois, since we're feeling compish here, and 2011, that was, as I recall, a pretty good defense. Um, Four or five draft picks, if I remember right. (laughs) Two first-round draft picks. One of them was on, uh, Whitney Merciless was on that team. 
Um, on the team overall, I think two first-round dra- draft picks, Whitney Merciless and then A.J. Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so for feeling compish here, that, that means Illinois maybe goes 6-6 six and six regular season and uh, a bowl game, and Brett Bielma gets fired. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I was, I was about to say, I don't love the comp in 2011. <laughs> the defense was absolutely stellar, but uh, the inability to – Was that the year the, after being Lachelle, the, uh, Mikel Shore left? Yes. Yeah. Uh, being the first team in uh, in college football history to start six and zero and end six and six, not something you want to have no. uh, in your cap. And, and uh, look, I, I'm not, we don't need to relitigate that whole thing, <laughs> but um, th- there's just been lots of lot more lows and ups since then. And as I like to often say in a Forrest Gump style, for some. For, for some reason, for no particular reason, they up and fired that man. <laughs> now I know there was actual, there was some logical reasoning to it, but we don't need to relitigate it. But uh, I'm just pointing out <laughs> that if Illinois went six and six and went to a bowl game and won the bowl game, Illinois Nation would be very happy, mm-hmm. and nobody would be considering uh, firing Brett Bielma. Nor should they. Frankly, they shouldn't if they go five and seven. Even uh, it's just. I'm just pointing out what different times we live in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217-351-5357. And the fan line is 217-356-9397. And uh, do we have Joey Wright ready for one more? Yeah. All right. Joey, any updates that we are in especially need of hearing here before we close things out. Yeah, I got a couple for you. It's not quite final yet, but it looks like Kansas is going to be 2-0. 42-34, the score there. ESPN app showing West Virginia has the ball, but Kansas is up eight points with two minutes and 14 seconds left in the fourth quarter. West Virginia backed up deep in its own territory at its own 15-yard line. Not final yet, as I said. I don't want to jinx it, but Kansas, if the Jayhawks can hold on for two and a half more minutes, they're going to be 2-0, and and that's going to be an optimistic fan base in Lawrence, I'm sure. Let's go around the Big Ten again. couple updates. Georgia Southern and Nebraska in Nebraska are tied at 28 at halftime. Idaho is leading Indiana now, 7-0. Still plenty of time left. Eight minutes and 39 seconds left in the second quarter, so we'll see what comes of that one. Michigan 21, Hawaii scoreless, 127 left in the first quarter. That game was delayed for some time, but it's underway now. Michigan, the number four team in the country. And then some games gone final in the Big Ten. Ohio State, number three in the country, holds off Arkansas State and wins convincingly 45-12. Minnesota takes it to Western Illinois, 62-10, your final score there. Duke beats Northwestern in Evanston. 31 to 23 your final there Penn State in State College today beating Ohio 46 to 10 Washington State upsets Wisconsin 17 to 14 biggest upset in the Big 10 today couple other upsets in the national stage we'll get to in a minute Maryland 56 Charlotte 21 in Charlotte Michigan State at home against Akron, blanking the Zips, 52-0. Iowa State takes down an Iowa offense that has struggled to score points this year, 10-7, your final. Purdue puts up 56. Indiana State doesn't put up anything as Purdue rolls to a win in West Lafayette and Rutgers rolls past Wagner, 66-7, your final score there. And we won't go through everything in the top 25 this time around, but some games that you need to know about 
Oklahoma State, number 11 in the country at home against Arizona State. Leading, it's still close though, 17-10, 10.46 left in the third quarter. Florida and Kentucky in progress now. Florida with a minute 35 left in the third quarter, facing a fourth and six on its own 42. They trail the 20th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats 23-16. Number one, Alabama nearly fell at Texas today, but the Crimson Tide held on. 20-19, your final there, aided by a field goal with 10 seconds left, were the Tide. And some updates I mentioned earlier, Marshall. We are Marshall indeed. They take down Notre Dame 26-21, your final. At Notre Dame, Notre Dame, of course, was number eight coming into today. And then Appalachian State, I tell you, they know their way around an upset. They go to College Station and beat Texas A&M, who was ranked number six entering today, 17-14, your final there. And then a couple of ranked battles to chat about. Tennessee in overtime taking down Pitt 34 to 27. Pitt had some high ambitions this year. They still might get pretty far, but Tennessee looks to be back in the SEC. And then I thought there was one more ranked game I wanted to mention, but I don't see it. There's one game that has yet to start. 9-15, BYU hosting Baylor. That's a ranked matchup. 21 versus 9. BYU 21st, Baylor 9th. And I think that's about all I've got from the college game. A couple of high school games, just two of them today in the News Gazette's coverage area. Seneca 37 at Salt Fork 35. And Metro East 12 at Schlarman 58. Big win for the Hilltoppers in an eight-man game. Yeah, Adam Rittenberg says Lance Leipold is the real deal, folks. Kansas wins on a walk-off pick six. Yep. In overtime, where Ooh. they could have just downed it, but they took it back for a pick six. Oh, yeah. So in an overtime game, they won by 13, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's that army Country grit. Country roads, take me home. I don't know if you want to go home after that one. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, also, Georgia Southern having a day in uh, Nebraska. They have over 400 yards offense already. They're in Jeez. the third quarter. They have not punted. Oh, oh man. Uh, what is going on? They At last look, they I'm were up. I'm telling you, I'm not afraid of the Big Ten, guys. I'm not <laughs> afraid. I'm not <laughs> they afraid. Were, they were up 35-28. Lincoln is burning. <laughs> if Georgia Southern wins that game, does Scott Frost have a job two no. hours after no. the game ends? I don't yes. think he does. Yes, no. because it's a lot cheaper to fire him on October 1st than it is on September 11th. Yeah, but is he going to have anything to go home to? It might be best to tell him to not come back. <laughs> is Nebraska going to have any fans at its next game yeah. if he has a job? Are you saying his family's not going to be there when he comes home? <laughs> well, the Nebraska family ain't going to be there. <laughs> All right. Last call is coming up. Fasteners, et cetera, post-game show. <laughs> coming out of the Indiana game, the way we felt, I told these guys this was all about us, right? And I was excited when I saw the schedule finally get finalized that we were going to have seven rematch games. Obviously, uh, this was the first up, right, because it's a non-conference play. Um, uh, what they did to us a year ago, right, was, uh, you know, it hurt your soul. It was embarrassing. Um the way they played us and the way they beat us and to come this far in a year, it uh, gets me excited about where we are because we definitely weren't clean on everything today, but we played good football. All right, time for our last call here on the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. And a texter asks, uh, we mentioned Scott Frost. Why would it be cheaper to fire Scott Frost on October 1st as opposed to now? On October 1st, his new contract goes into effect. 
if he is fired on October 1st, he is owed $7.5 Before October 1st, he would be owed $15 million. So on a purely business standpoint, uh, October 1st would be the more opportune time to make a move. Uh, and if he is fired without cause before October 1st, the old buyout remains effective. So th- th- that's the deal, and that's, um, you know, Georgia Southern is not just uh, some fly-by-night team, or okay? I mean, it sounds like a meaningless directionless sco- direction school, but it's not. They're actually a pretty good program, but mm-hmm. still, there's no way that anybody in Lincoln feels that uh, Georgia sh- Southern should be beating Nebraska, and they may well do it. We'll see. It's kind of a shootout right now. It's 35-28. And ultimately, firing a coach on September 10th, and firing a coach October 1st, truly not really that big of a difference because the, that athletic program, uh, no athletic program that fires their, their coach midseason is re- is going to find a replacement in the middle of the season. Now, there can be some stuff behind the scenes, like uh, Coach Bielma was talking about how I had my eye on the Illini in 2019 after we started uh, f- uh, two and four. So he's like, that's something that I was monitoring. So makes me think that some some feelers were being sent out at that time, but Illinois obviously <laughs> rattled off a, uh, four straight wins, and um, and uh, Coach Smith kept his job for another year. Um, but um, yeah, no benefit to firing him uh, tonight uh, if Georgia Southern can. Uh, pull this off. All right, Evan, is there anybody else waiting there to talk to us? Doesn't look like it we've, on we've gotten the out all fan line, refresh here on the text line. I think we, we answered all the questions, so yeah, think we, think we can call it. All right, let's do it, because uh, this day of broadcasting started just shy of eight hours ago. It's about what we do here on a football Saturday, isn't it? Usually oh, yeah. we go about eight hours yep. from start to finish, unless it's a Friday night in Bloomington and the game lasts at least four hours, but that's a different story. This game was pretty close. It was like three and a half, and it might have gone to four if Virginia had done anything on offense. <laughs> Illinois wins at 24-3, to and Illinois into a, quote, bye week now. They'll play a week from Thursday at home against Chattanooga. We'll be here for you on that. Our thanks to everybody involved in our production all day long. Joey Wright, Evan Kahn, Michael Martin. I'm Scott Beatty. Chief Engineer is Ed Bond. General Manager is Grant Thompson. For all involved, we wish you a great evening. And don't forget Monday morning quarterbacks with Warren Tate and Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1493.9 at 9 o'clock on Monday morning if you want your next fill of all the sports chatter. We appreciate you being with us. Glad to bring you uh, news of an Illini win tonight. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Have a great weekend. The preceding program was an exclusive presentation of News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS and Light Rock 97.5 FM WHMS Champaign-Urbana, Champaign Multimedia Group Stations.